the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Samuel. see you. You're a huge frame of a person. Well, so then they ran, verse 23, so they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? And all the people shouted and said, long live the king. You can just see here how they've resorted to an earthly figure instead of the Lord. Not long live the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord, but long live the King. God works through people so that they can reach other people with His hope. He worked through people in the Bible that come from the lowest and most unexpected places. But if your heart is focused on serving God and living according to His Word instead of for sin, there's no limit to what you might see Him do through you. He led Israel's army to victory in war against impossible odds, freed them from Egypt, healed them, and it started when the people turned their hearts to God. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. In the rearview mirror of my life, I thank God that when I was not really listening to him, he still sent a few stray donkeys my way to guide and direct my life. So here Saul is in this encounter now with Samuel, and God says to Samuel, this is the guy I told you about yesterday. This is that guy. And so it says in verse 17, So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. And then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Which is kind of a scary thing. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, now notice Saul hasn't said anything about his lost donkeys, but this is, you know, by revelation of the Lord. So Samuel's just like speaking right into his heart, like, by the way, you're looking for donkeys, aren't you? And he says, as far as your donkeys are concerned that you lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? And Saul answered and said, and, you know, noticeably he's like shocked. He goes, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Now, this is similar, by the way. Remember, Gideon argued with the angel of the Lord, too, and said, I'm of the tribe of Manasseh, the smallest tribe, and my family is the least, and who am I? 
This actually is an indication that Saul is trying to be humble here. Benjamin was a tiny tribe of Israel, but he's not completely accurate here because he comes from a wealthy, influential family. So it's not like his family is really the least among the tribe of Benjamin. Every tribe was broken into clans, and then every clan was broken down into families. And Saul comes from a wealthy, influential family. But he still, this isn't false humility here. He really is, he's struck here by what Samuel is prophesying into his life. And Saul, he's caught off guard by this. He's a little taken back by this. What do you mean? What do you mean, you know, like, this calling is on my life, and on whom is the desire of Israel? Like, I'm a nobody. Well, it says in verse 22, Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. And so the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here it is, what was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you, since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Now, you know, I would love to have been there to see Saul's reaction to all this. I mean, Samuel is saying, Yeah, I've been waiting for you. Um, I know your donkeys have been missing. They've been found. Don't worry about it. God told me you were coming. You're the desire of Israel. God's hand is on your life. And I even have saved this, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken for you because I knew you were coming. And Saul's probably sitting there going, all this stuff you're telling me, like, this is really catching me off guard here. But he indulges and and, and he eats there. And, and so they sit down together. And so, verse 25, and when they had come down from the high place into the city... Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. Now, in those days, the roof of a house was an extension of the home. Like, there would usually be an inner or outer staircase up to the roof of the house. And so, what we're going to find here is that Samuel gives Saul lodging, and Saul is going to bed down for the night on the roof of this home. And so, he, he speaks with Saul on the top of the house, verse 26, and they arose early, and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house, saying, Get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us, because he just wants to say something privately here to Saul. And he went on. And he said to him, but you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Let's keep going into chapter 10. And then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Now, you Bible note takers note this is the very first time that anyone is anointed with oil outside of the priesthood, outside of the priesthood. It was typical for priests, by instruction of the Lord, to be anointed with olive oil because it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It was a tangible, nothing magical, but it was a tangible reminder that the oil that flowed over the head and the beard of that priest... The oil was a sign that he was anointed by God and anointed by the Spirit of God to do the work that God had called him to. This is the first person, Saul is the first person outside of the priesthood that is anointed with oil, but for the same reason. God's hand is upon you. You are being set apart for the purpose of God, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is coming upon you. 
And so he pours this flask of oil over him. Verse 2, Samuel continues speaking to him. It says, when you have departed from me today, you will find... I want you to notice the great detail in what I'm about to read here. Samuel says to Saul, when you depart from me today, you're going to find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? And then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. And there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. Do you see the detail here? And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. And after that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. This is great detail. And they will prophesy. And then, he says, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. That's a wonderful statement there about when the presence and power of God comes upon a person, their lives are changed. Now, that doesn't mean, because we're going to see in Saul's life, that doesn't mean that forever they are denied their own will because now just the Spirit of God is upon them that they can never sin or they can never make bad choices because Saul is going to, though he's been given everything, every advantage in life in an earthly sense, and now even the Spirit of God is going to come upon him, and he still... He will still abuse his power and position. But nevertheless, God changes his heart in this instance. So Samuel's saying all this stuff to him. Now, why do you think he's being very specific with all these details? You know, first you're going to meet two men by Rachel's tomb, and they're going to say some things to you about the donkeys, and then you're going to meet three men going up to Bethel, and and they're going to be carrying different things, young goats, and another one's going to be carrying three loaves, and another one's going to be carrying a skin of wine, and then you're going to meet a group of prophets. And let me tell you the instruments that they're going to be playing as they're prophesying. The reason why Samuel is giving them all these details is to show Saul that God knows exactly what he's doing and that Samuel really is speaking on behalf of God. You see, it's easy for anybody, okay, and not to say that every TV evangelist is a charlatan because that isn't true, but there's some that are because here's why. It's very easy to stand up in front of a group of a 1,000 people and say, the Lord's told me that somebody has a headache. Okay, probably in a group of a 1,000 people there's going to be somebody with a headache, It's a whole other matter to say, you're going to go here, and when you get to that street corner, you're going to see three people, and they're going to be carrying these three things, and one guy's going to say this to you, and another guy's going to give you two loaves of bread, and somebody else is going to... Because when you're that specific, it's a real indication, this is none other than the hand of God. And he wants Saul to know, this is the hand of God. This is why I'm being so specific with all these details, because God is in this. And the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you're going to be changed into another man. Verse 7, and let it be that when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Notice this, seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. It's a very important directive. He won't listen. We'll see that when we resume But that's a very important directive. You know, God's in the details. And when God instructs us to do something, when he says wait seven days, he doesn't mean wait six and a half. doesn't mean wait five, and then you're on your own. Go ahead. 
When he says seven, he means seven. So this is going to be a problem that Saul has here, following directions in the specific direction of God. So we'll learn that lesson later. But verse 9 says that so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. This is beautiful. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him, just like Samuel had said, and then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Now, a few Sundays ago, we were talking uh, through the Upper Room Discourse in John's Gospel about how much Jesus spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. He says, unless I go, he will not come to you. The person and the role of the Holy Spirit. From Acts chapter 2, ongoing to today, the Holy Spirit can come upon you in power as a believer. In Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit was not poured out upon all flesh. That was the prophecy of Joel 2 fulfilled in Acts 2. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only given as God determined for individual purposes. So we see, you know, different people in the Old Testament. Moses was filled with the Spirit. Joshua was filled with the Spirit. David was filled with the Spirit. Saul here is filled with the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was not available to all people as the Spirit is available today, only upon assignment. And God assigned the Spirit of God onto Saul because God knew that Saul was going to need the power of God's Spirit to do what he was called to do. You don't lead a nation unless you have the presence and power of the Lord. And so God's Spirit came upon him and he prophesied. Listen, sometimes we have this, you know, kind of, mystical view of prophecy like it's only like somebody you know gets into this kind of catatonic state and then they start just saying things are going to happen in the future that prophesying is really the foretelling of God's word it sometimes it is the foretelling we see in scripture but more often than not it's the foretelling it's the proclamation of the word of God and so this isn't anything you know hyper-spiritual here. This is just a guy who all of a sudden is now, by the Spirit of God, able to say to people, thus says the Lord. And it isn't recorded what he said in terms of his prophecy, but it was probably things, you know, related to the moment. Like, you know, God is upon you, and God has called me to speak to you, and God is our King, and God is our Lord. You know, who knows exactly what he said, but he takes on a position of authority here, and this prophetic power that comes upon him is noticed by people, because notice what happens, verse 11, and it happened when all who knew him formerly, right, the old Saul before the Spirit of God came upon him, saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this? That has come upon the son of Kish. Is Saul among the prophets? Your attention for a moment. You know how common this is? Where people will say a similar thing about you? Wait, is this, are you the same person I knew, you know, back in college? Really? This is you now? You're a born again believer? Because they're judging him based on how they formerly knew him. And now the spirit of God has come upon him. And Saul is prophesying. And they're seeing a whole new person here that they don't recognize. I remember several years ago, so Pastor Ken Wright was one of our pastors here on staff, a pastor of our children's ministry. And uh, Ken used to be the athletic director at Loudoun County High School. And uh, my first encounter when I met Ken, 
was I was up in the announcer's booth calling freshman football because uh, our son Austin it happens to be his birthday today. So Austin was the freshman quarterback for county's football team. And so I'm up in the booth, you know, because they wanted volunteers. And so I said, okay, I'll call the game. So I was the announcer up in the booth. And Ken Wright walks up. First time I'd ever met Ken Wright. And he hands me a CD. And he goes, and he kind of grunts. He goes, play, play this. I said, what? Excuse me? Play this. So I'm, I'm sorry. I can't understand you. It's the national anthem. When we start the football game, pop this in the CD player, play it. And then he walked out. Didn't say hello, didn't say hi, I'm Ken Wright, you know, didn't say none of this. And I'm just like, yeah, hi, nice to meet you, you know, as he's walking out. Okay, that was my first encounter. All right, well, and he had kind of a reputation. I'm not telling anything new, like he will tell you this. He had kind of this gruff and gruff, and he's just this guy, he, got, he would get thrown out of basketball games and stuff. All right, so that's that guy. So I see him, this is years ago, this is like 10, 12 plus years ago at the old building, Easter Sunday, tent service. Okay, Ken Wright walks forward, gets saved. All right. Shortly after that, he emails me. Receive Christ as my Savior. My life has changed. You know, I can't believe this. This encounter I've had with Jesus now, totally transforming. Okay, I, I go up to, because Austin, this is like, a, like I said, like 12 years ago. So Austin was still living at home. Austin was in high school at the time. And so maybe it had to be longer ago than that, because he just turned 30 today. So however long ago that was. Okay, yeah, about 15 years ago, probably. 15 years ago. So I go up to his bedroom. I says, Austin, i got to read to you this email. I take Ken's, the email that he sent me, and I read this whole wonderful email. Just got saved. Just, I said, you're never going to believe this. And I read this beautiful email, this testament. Just got saved. Received Christ. You know, Thank you for preaching the gospel. Growing up my relationship with Jesus. Shared this whole thing with Austin. I looked at him. I said, what do you think about that? And Austin looked straight at me, and he goes, I don't believe a word he wrote. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, don't believe a word he wrote. Don't believe it, Dad. I said, come on, the guy just spilled his heart out here talking about how he just got radically saved. Don't believe it, Dad. Don't believe it at all. Don't believe it at all. Had a complete attitude. Why? Because he knew the former Ken Wright. I texted Ken before service tonight. I said, I'm going to tell the story about you. And he goes, all right, make me look better than Austin. That is true. He he ended up being better than Austin because Austin didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because a lot of times, see, when somebody gets saved, People who know the former you are going to still see you as the former you. And they don't necessarily give you the benefit of the doubt. And so, you know, last laugh on Austin. Now Ken and Austin are both pastors on staff here, right? So the guy that he wrote off and now he's serving in ministry with. But this is what's happening here. Everybody's looking at Saul and they're like, is this the same guy? Come on. This can't be the same guy. Well, verse 12 says, and then a man from there answered and said, let's get through this chapter. And then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? And therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. And then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? And he said, So he said, To look for the donkeys. And when he saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. And so Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, and that's true, But notice, but the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. It's it's unknown why he didn't tell him that part. If I had to wager a guess, it would be because sometimes people can't accept the things that God does in your heart, at least not initially. There are some people who just won't necessarily get it. And in those cases, probably less information is better. Because what are they going to do with it? And so he doesn't tell him that part. 
Well, verse 17, Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the children of Israel, so this is Samuel the prophet now, and he says this, he speaks on behalf of God, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who opposed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. And therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hiding among the equipment. Now there's no indication to us how this process of elimination came about. It is believed that it was that uh, old process of the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim were two stones. It is believed one was white and one was black. One stone meant yes, one stone meant no. It was kept within the vestment of the priest. When they would inquire of the Lord, they would ask a yes or no question, and then the priest would pull out a stone, and if it was the yes stone, that's how they determined it. If it was the no stone, it was no. And God actually did in Old Testament times use that what we would think of as an archaic process of discerning the will of God, as a way to reveal his will. So like all the tribes came before Samuel, and he basically would say, is it the tribe of Dan? Stone out, no. Is it the tribe of Issachar? Stone out, no. Until he got to Benjamin. Yeah, it's the tribe of Benjamin, the stone that indicated yes. And he did this through a systematic process of elimination. When they get to the family here, and it comes down to Saul, Saul's not there, and he's hiding among the equipment. Now, ESV and NIV says baggage, okay? You know, some baggage. So just there's some clutter somewhere. And it says there he's hiding there among the baggage. Now, think about a guy's like an NBA player hiding among suitcases. Like, you're not really hiding. People can see you. You're a huge frame of a person. Well, so then they ran, verse 23, so they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? And all the people shouted and said, long live the king. You can just see here how they've resorted to an earthly figure instead of the Lord. Not long live the Lord and blessed be the name of the Lord, but long live the king. And then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. Notice that. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presence. But he, that is Saul, held his peace. I want you to notice in those closing verses there, there were obviously some who were happy about Saul. They said, long live the king. And there were others, it says, who despised Saul. There will always be people in your life who will either be happy about you or at times hate you. But I want you to notice there's a group in the middle between those who loved him and those who hated him. There was a group whose hearts God had moved to be loyal to Saul. So, Some will like you, and some will dislike you. 
but then there will be people that God brings along with a loyal heart of friendship. And those are the ones who are your true friends, through thick and thin. This is the first king of Israel. There's much more to read about his life. Some of it not so good, but again, they're going to end up getting what they're asking for. And may we take to heart some of these things. A lot of lessons to learn there. Amen. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message from 1 Samuel again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the Teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. You will also find our companion resources. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you. While you're there, take a minute to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. You'll also find links with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. So put a marker in your Bible where we left off today in 1 Samuel and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time. Thanks again for listening to today's teaching right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.